Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And my name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. My name is Nick. You can find me on the socials at Nick M. Jimenez. And today we are back talking about minute number 144, part five, All the King's Horses. The minute's going to start out with Aquaman speaking to Wonder Woman anecdotally. Uh, Get a little bit of uh, story time here. And uh, the minute (laughs) is going to end with Batman um, saying that they're going to be taking the body back to the Kryptonian ship. Kind of a little bit of exposition here um, <laughs> as, as we get into a scene change. So, uh, yeah, more, more exposition minute. You, you, you know him, you love him. We're back <laughs> with him. Yeah, almost uh, th- three, different, uh, three different pairings in this minute. Like each mm. one gets to say one thing. And then the minute's over, right? It's like each person gets 10 seconds and then that's it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the first one is between Aquaman and Diana. They, you know, he says that the Atlanteans have a saying, like, they're not taking something back, not without giving something in, in return. Um, you kind of get a, uh, Nick, you get a you get a Martha minute here. You get a, uh, <laughs> I, I believe. Uh, <laughs> We're not so different, they, you and I. Yeah, yeah. This is this will be like uh, what the third time. I'm sure there's, there's more than once, but uh, there was there was a this happened in Watchmen, I believe. Um, the ultimate cut. I don't know if it. I don't know if it also happens in the director's cut. It's been a while, and I get them confused. But um, they have the same thing, right? Where they the the new the the comic book, the newspaper salesman and and the kid who's reading um, the. Uh, Dang, what is that comic book called? The, oh, the, the Black, Black Freighter. Water, the Black Freighter, and and they had the same name, right? And so they relate in that way, even though they don't quite relate politically. They relate then at the end at the end of their lives because they share the same name. And so it then happens again, of course, iconically in Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, where their mothers share the name, same name, Martha, and so then they are able to relate to each other as 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 souls instead of just man versus alien. And then now we get it in the same way where an Atlantean and an Amazon can relate because they are taught the same principles in life, even though their cultures have clashed historically. And so it's, it's a nice thing. Um, but what do you think they mean in, 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 as it applies to this movie? Um, they cannot take a soul back, not without giving something in return. What do you, what do you, how, how do you put that in literal terms? I'm trying to remember if, because like no one, no, there's no loss like one to one soul for a soul. Like no one dies at the end of this movie, besides Steppenwolf who gets his head cut off. Right, but that's not really. So if that that's the co- that's the cost, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But like, I think with I think what Aquaman and I think what the idiom or axiom is about is like sacrifice. You can't expect to take yes. something without giving something. Yeah, I think it's supposed to lean more into like the whole idea that we get from like the Lazarus Pit, where right. when you come back, you're not the same. Something was mm. lost, even if you come back, something is still lost. You know. Did uh, uh when they were writing this, were they still under the impression that there were like Ontario and Snyder that there were going to be other chapters of the story, or had that kind of already been squashed by that point? 
There was an outline still of future movies to do it. They went in filming this. They had already made the decision to cut a lot of the uh, some of the steps that they were going to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is technically a a second run of what they were their initial plan was their initial trajectory. But they still planned on doing sequels that then. Kind of led still back into the the nightmare reality. Sure. Um, I, 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 most most notably was the the Lois and, and Bruce Wayne relationship that was that was ultimately cut. I wasn't sure if um, I, I think because because it's shown here in this movie when Cyborg kind of sees the future. I think everything you see in there is still on the table to happen. So somehow Lois Lane is to to perish in the Batcave. Um, Wonder Woman, I, I believe, dies, but kind of chooses to die that, so that she can go to Hades and then somehow become the god of war and come back like... Wow. D- like, Dima... I don't know. She has, like... If I remember correctly, I think she has like what demon horns, right? Like she comes back like as the god of war somehow uh, through death. Um, so a lot of that's on the table, I, I think. Still, um, they they have it written down like these giant photographed chalk uh, whiteboard things that Jim Lee and Zach worked on to kind of orchestrate how the the sequels were going to to happen, but. Um, yeah, no, I think we still plan on going into that that kind of injustice level of, of Superman, right? Where he's evil Superman or nightmare Superman. Uh, we, we still are headed in that direction. Um, I think uh, another sacrifice that can be made is that um, Cyborg is, is choosing to activate this mother box to bring back Superman. But in this movie, he will lose Silas Stone. He will lose his father. Mm, Um, Could that also be a sacrifice that he's not knowing that that's the cost of of one life for another? Could be another thing. Yeah, because they they don't know what the cost will be. They know they have to do it. That's kind of what they were arguing about is like, this will have ramifications beyond what we're anticipating. Are we okay with that? (laughs) Easier said than done, right? They just like, yeah, sure, no problem. I don't see, I don't see why not. Is that uh, a normal follow-up thought when characters do go about raising the dead in storytelling? I guess is that have, like a normal cause, thing? Because you know, famously have pet cemetery. You know, sometimes yeah. dead is better. Yeah, um, it's got to be right. Like that's just like the 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 thought process yeah right or the it's Lazarus Pit to... and Batman where you know every yeah. time they are going to come up a little come out a little screwy in ways you yeah. can't anticipate Beetlejuice right that does that whole movie right is that <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes yeah and 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 I guess that that could be a whole other conversation why is that why why do we tell that story why do we say let the dead be dead right let them even, rest even mythologically you look at like Orpheus or yeah. Disney's Hercules, like mm-hmm. you, you cannot cross between the underworld to the living world without there being some kind of cost or right. sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I, again, as well in Dawn of Justice, I mean, bringing back General Zod brought about 
Bertrand's curse, the doomsday, you know, and, and doomsday being that like unspeakable act that, that the thing that desecration without a name is, uh, they say, don't do it. The Kryptonians <laughs> have done it. They said, don't do it. Please don't do it. And Lex Luthor and his, uh, his God complex, he says, I will do it because I have the ability to do it. So I, I, I should do it. Right. A whole Schrodinger's box of, uh, opening up a coffin. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot to, to question there. Um, and then we'll, we'll lighten things up cause we'll go <laughs> back to the flash and, and cyborg and flash says wonder woman. You think, uh, she'd go for a younger guy. Uh, and <laughs> cyborg says every guy is a younger guy cause she's 5,000 years old, which is fair. It's good. It's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Um, just a lot more like you still get the humor you still get like okay Barry's still a kid he's like yeah you know he's not immune to being like whoa Wonder Woman what a babe you know and Mm -hmm. Cyborg just being like dude come on but it's I keep going back to the orange you know the Snyder the 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 Joss Whedon version where it's so orange yeah (laughs) where it's so much less subtle and you know you got (laughs) the fist bump and the the slapsticky kind of like mm-hmm more on the nose humor. Yeah, yeah. A lot of yeah, a lot of more physical comedy that's that's in that movie. Um, it's better and- that the comedy gets shut down in this moment. I really do think it's better for that. Um cuz like yes, it is a comic relief and it is a breath of fresh air right there and it is something that you would expect from the Barry Allen younger Flash character. Um but I think it is a very hard reminder of remember what you're doing. <laughs> like you got come on like let's let's stay focused here um and i do think that just like i like the level of maturity that's displayed between the two of them cyborg and flash um mm-hmm. they're the same age right well i like like mm, 20s probably and victor should be younger right i mean he should be like 18 he just came out of high school no he's, he's in a college. quarterback it's two years. Gotham, oh, Gotham City University. Yes, you're right. He's not in high school. He is a college student. Okay, He's yeah. He's like mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, so maybe Victor's older. Um. Could be. By like maybe a year or two. Uh, doesn't matter. But the fact that like Victor is still like, not, college jock mindset of yeah h- hubba hubba you know. Doing, yeah, doing he's a not a Avery Wolf. It's like a very good point, you know. I because I could, I bet you Victor could do a little, a little sleight of hand magic trick and do like a whole like heart pumping kind of thing. Text Avery. Yeah. Yeah. You know. What I like about it is just how he can he can shut it down, but also it's written so witty. Being like she's five thousand years old. Every guy is a younger guy. Yeah, like, like he's wouldn't smart matter. with his comedy yeah. and his comeback. It's like that's that's good. You, Barry went a little blue, and then you kind of picked it back yeah. up. It was like, no, your joke is definitely better. <laughs> it's it's what makes it more highbrow instead of being like low hanging fruit. Of, exactly. Of you know, you know that to me that's that's good writing is that you went out of your way to to make something. Uh, you crafted a joke that's a little bit more smart. Um, and a little bit more accepting, um, which I, which I absolutely love. 
And, uh, you know, Diana did get with a younger guy, Steve Trevor, right? So, And to to get into, like, the math of humor and, like, why I think jokes, some jokes work and some jokes don't is, like, what's so cool about Victor's line is, yeah, like Nate said, it's witty, but it's also, like, come on, like, we're here to work. We're not here to, like, talk about how hot Diana is. But it's still being, like, it's still funny. So it's kind of building their relationship of, like, as you know, Ezra's flash is like, Oh, okay. I think I can be pals with this dude. Whereas like mm-hmm. the not reciprocating the fist bump. It's just a joke for a joke's sake. And you don't get the sense that those two really are bonding. Yeah. The way that you get yeah. in this moment. Yeah. It's, it's, it's shutting down that thought without shutting down the relationship between the two characters. Like it doesn't isolate him. Yeah. It doesn't, Make him feel bad about it <laughs> too much. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was a very good moment there. Um, and then we cut over to 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 Bruce and Alfred. This one I thought was uh, I, I got more of a, a chuckle out of this watching this again because uh, Alfred over here in this f- flight suit, this engineer, uh, he, he's he's messing with all this stuff. There's pyrotechnics going off next to uh, you know Jeremy Irons and. And smoke and all this stuff is, is busting out of these uh, little Star Wars panels. Yeah, um, it is very Star Wars in this moment here. And, and and Bruce is over like, any luck yet? Like, bro, do you see this thing? <laughs> what do you think, man? Does that look like it's working? <laughs> Just over there with the leather jacket on by all those chains looking real cool going, uh, any luck? <laughs> it's, uh, it's almost kind of Han and Chewie coated. Yes. Um, which is like a great. Um, we keep on talking about this uh, this this Batman Alfred duo that we have here, and we always love to see it on screen. But even more so, the two of them just like working in their own selves. Um, mm-hmm. They're obviously doing the mechanic thing here, but the fact that neither one of them is hovering over or interacting with their work, they're doing separate work. That's so so cool to me. Um, because, you know, you would always expect either Alfred to be the one hovering over saying, I told you so, and be in the, the, the voice of conscious or the voice of reason. Um, or even Batman trying to do the I told you so thing to an Alfred. Um, but we don't really get that between either of these two. Um, even in Dawn of Justice as well, you, you, you actually even get an apology, you know, <laughs> which is which is just so beautiful. I love talking about these two characters when they're on screen um, and the fact that they're just like, you know, elbow deep in the physical mechanics of Batman mm-hmm. gear makes it so much better. No one's typing on a computer. No one's doing like classic just fill the space Batman in Batcave stuff like. I asked a couple questions or a, a minute or two ago about, you know, where's Batman? Why didn't he get his hand on a shovel? Um, well, because he's doing mechanics, you know, and I'm okay with that answer. <laughs> right. Like it's not, he's not brooding in his study and Alfred's not coming to him with like a tray of soup. It's like exactly both in the garage with their sleeves rolled up. Yeah. 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 They're, they're working on this flying Fox it would be this multiple troop carrier transport system that they're trying to do and you know they're they're talking to each other this scene will be about the the resurrection of superman you'll have alfred again being that voice of reason inside bruce wayne's head uh, something that has always 
welcome to 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 tell the perspective of Batman is to to have Alfred be this this second opinion, um, and um, what I like is is the way that they've orchestrated this set to to show some of the additions to the Batmobile that they're working on this this ship that's going to take the team from one location to the next, and so there's a lot of logistics and setting up. Um, future scenes that are going to happen by just having, you know, uh, Alfred working on the Flying Fox and then Batman working on the Batmobile with like this giant 50 caliber sniper rifle that's attached <laughs> to um, the the Batmobile by these kind of pulley systems and straps and cables and chains. And so just him there with it shows like, oh yeah, get ready because uh, we're putting more guns on the Batmobile. <laughs> you know, we're not- we're not taking less off. We heard the criticism, and we we heard you loud and clear. You want more guns on the Batmobiles. We're putting them on there, um, and and just having that be the set as they as Bruce and Alfred work together in this garage, like it just it feels like they're gardening together. They're building <laughs> stuff together. They're they're having a great time fighting crime, saving the world. Um, and like you a retired a married couple. Yeah, really. That's how it feels like, and that's how it feels like, especially in um, in this film series with Dawn of Justice and and Justice League. This Jeremy Irons Alfred with this Ben Affleck Batman, they've always felt like more like a married couple than I've ever really seen cinematically. Um, I feel like we didn't get too much of it in the Batman with Matt Reeves because they kind of force Andy Serkis to to take a step back because they. They injure his Alfred. Um, but this one here, this Jeremy Irons Alfred, has always been so on top of this Batman that I've, I've loved the chemistry that these two have. Um, it's like they and the share way a they hobby. Write, yeah, the way <laughs> they write them, yeah. It's uh, worth noting that I think... Uh, if, I'd have to like you know pull out my calculator, but at least but based on like appearances, they're kind of like the closest to... They're closest in age between Mm. other cinematic Bruce's and like, this is like a 50 year old, like, Oh, maybe like late forties, fifties dude talking to a guy, maybe in like his early seventies. So it's like a 20 year old difference as opposed to like the very paternal, like Alfred as the surrogate father, which is kind of what we really got out of like, you know, Michael Caine and a little bit out of uh, Andy Serkis. Yeah. And, and if you, if you, if you did the real math on on the actual actors, the gap would be wider, of course. I mean, uh, the Ben Affleck is playing someone who's probably 10 years older than him because they're trying to go for uh, a kind of a, a, a more of a Gray Fox bat, Batman mm-hmm. than, than his own age. So they wanted him to play an older Batman, but still give him some, some youth. So... Yeah, I think I think Dawn of Justice is he's like 45, 44 and then the Alfred I don't know if we I don't know if we put an age on this Alfred, but um yeah, it it is about a 20 year gap between these characters. So, um they are they are about the closest in age. And we said that kind of makes sense, right? Because if if Alfred's coming in to take care of a young Bruce, he'd be he'd have to be younger to 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 make it to this age <laughs> right otherwise... like uh my uh my brother and my older brother and my dad are only about 20 years apart in age like 
my dad's about to turn my dad's about to turn 70 and my brother's about to turn 50 and so oh wow he was raised by my brother was raised by a a kid in his 20s you know yeah and so it's funny to look back and be like oh my god that kid my dad was just holding on by the seat of his pants trying to like raise (laughs) this baby and i kind of like to imagine that kind of being what this alfred and bruce relationship was like i couldn't i couldn't imagine it no that's like 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 a a 21 year old alfred being like oh master bruce i have to take care of you just me (laughs) and you uh he's like oh he wants a bat costume oh it must just be for halloween okay whatever (laughs) that's why he that's how that's how he limped into it and now look at him. He's putting a, he's putting guns on his on his car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, he wants to take all his friends out to to Pajorna, Russia for to fight an alien. Whatever. Look at it. my boy's grown up so fast. <laughs> my boy's a man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up for today. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five-star review. It really does help the show and it helps new listeners discover the show as well. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter at DCEUMinute. And if you'd like bonus content, we have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you here next time on DC Cinematic Minute.